Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Book of Romans, Lesson 5, entitled, Called by Grace, Sent to Witness. Hello, welcome back uh, to our midweek study. We're working our way through the Book of Romans. Just recently began that book. It's going to take us a while, uh, and it should, because you're talking about a lot of chapters with a lot of really good stuff, and uh, we're making our way. We're only down to verse 5 today. We're going to be uh, in verse uh, 5 here in just a second, but before we read that, uh, let's pray together and ask God's blessings over our time. God, we submit ourselves to you. We confess that we don't know anything good except the good that you've taught us. We don't have anything good in our lives except the good that you brought us. And uh, so we want to make sure that you have all the glory. Uh, it's because of your grace and kindness to us. You searched us out. We didn't find you. You found us. And so, God, because you've given us this word, which has been breathed by your Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to it and to every word of it. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 5. Before I go any further, I want to say just a word of gratitude to the teaching, uh, to the teacher, Donald Gray Barnhouse. I don't know if you know who he is. Long since passed away, uh, pastor of the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, PA, uh, just uh, such a man of God. I don't know him. I was born in 1967. Uh, I was not underneath his ministry, but I have read a number of his books. And uh, a series, uh, he started a series in the book of Romans, uh, both in his church and on in uh, radio, on air broadcast. He's one of the first pioneers in preaching on the radio. He started that in 1949 in the book of Romans. And he preached in the book of Romans on air until 1960 when he passed away. And I am uh, grateful to him and for his insights and dependent upon him for a lot of the insights I'm going to be bringing to you throughout our study here in the book of Romans. And I, I have other guys, of course, uh, that I'm dependent upon, but, um, but so grateful for him. Just, just to, the wisdom he has as a pastor and his, his ability to communicate that is just uh, uh, a great thing. I would recommend his four-part series on Romans, if you can find it, if it's in print. I don't know that it is. Uh, but you may, maybe if there's any place you can find it on Amazon, I just recommend that. Uh, you're going to find a lot of things that he uh, highlights, or things that I'm going to highlight. Like I said because I'm 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 very much dependent upon this guy. What a solid uh, Bible teacher in heaven today, receiving his rewards and part of his rewards is here we are uh, talking about him and uh, the use, the gift that God gave him. So. Having said that, we're ready to read. We're going to be down in verse 5 in just a second, but let's go ahead and let's, we're going to read all four verses, all the first five, I should say, verses. Paul, a bondservant, remember, you don't belong to yourself. That's not the Christian life. Christian life is, I belong to Jesus, Jesus calls the shots. That is the Christian life. Christian life isn't something you do on your own or you come up with or you present your plan to God. That is not the Christian life. Now, many Christians do that kind of thing, but you're going to find yourself uh, bumping up against the will of God because the will of God doesn't work like that. The will of God is just simply this. I get rid of my own will, my own agenda, to submit myself to his will and his agenda. I can't run both of them. I can't. A bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. Let's, let's just stop right there because we didn't address this and it's not a part of the, part of the sermon. It's interesting how he, the word order he uses here Paul, the bondservant of Christ Jesus. I thought it was Jesus Christ. Well, he does call him that. In next, in, down in verse 4, he calls him that. But why the change in the word order? It's important that you understand that, that we understand that. Uh, first of all, Christ isn't a name. 
It is his title. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. It is the Greek equivalent to Messiah. Messiah was what all Jewish kings were called. David was called the Messiah of Israel. Saul, Solomon, their sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, whoever sat on the throne of Israel in Jerusalem was called Messiah. It was the title of their king. So Paul, being a Jew, the first time at least he refers to Jesus, he refers to him first by his title and then by his name, Messiah Jesus, King Jesus. There you go. So it, 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 it highlights or underscores the whole principle of a bondservant. I have his servant. He's my king. Paul, a bondservant of King Jesus. That's really a, a, a great literal uh, interpretation of that. Called as an apostle, set apart for the, uh, for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom, here we have the focal verse, through whom we have received two things, grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for his name's sake. And so we're going to uh, take apart this verse and the particulars of this verse, but we first need to stop here at the beginning of verse 5 because he uses a term here that we may just gloss over and uh, we need to be careful with it. Who's the we there? Tells in verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Our, our definition of who we is needs to be good. Because if we have a misconception about who we is, then we'll have a misapplication of it. And so let's not do that. The we, well, let me just put it to you this way. The Bible in particular is, and it, um, I should say, the Bible in general and the favorable promises in particular of the Bible are not for everybody. This is not an inclusive we. In fact, it is an exclusive we. It is a, an exclusive group. The promises are for a select few, or should we say for an elect few? Be more accurate. Uh, there is, uh, having said that, no promise, positive promise in the Bible for a Mormon. You know that, right? For a Jehovah's Witness for a Buddhist, for a Hindu, for an atheist, for a, just a religious person. There is not a single positive promise in the Bible for any of those people. There is the promise of salvation. Oh, I shouldn't say that. There is one, and that is the promise of salvation if they repent of their false teachings and come to salvation to God through Jesus Christ. Yes, that is a positive promise, but otherwise there is not a positive promise at all for them. There is the offer of salvation, or there is the negative promise of punishment, a certain promise of punishment, in a place called hell. Otherwise, there's no comfort there for them. There's not. The, the Bible isn't an in-general book. It's an exclusive we. and We didn't write it. And, and ultimately, we don't interpret it. The Holy Spirit does. And it is very much exclusive, according to his interpretation and his writing of it. There is no comfort for people outside of Christ. There is, in this book, there is no strength for them. There is no promise for them to cling to. There is not. 
There is a promise of salvation who those who will turn to God through Christ Jesus, placing their faith in Christ Jesus, but without Christ, they are without hope. And we need to make sure we understand that, that the we is exclusive. Look at Ephesians 2. You were at that time separate from Christ. That's, like I said, the person, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, the Buddhist. They're separated from Christ. Excluded, therefore, from the people of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. That's what they are. They talk about God all the time. But without Christ, they are without God. We, we have to understand that. Our definition has to be very clear. There's a reason why the Bible is the most owned book and the least read. Because it's, it's very exclusive. Jesus was extremely exclusive. We're going to see this coming Sunday if you're reading this some other time. Here we are in the middle of February, February 15th, as I have it according to my watch. Uh, 2023, we're in the middle of a study of the book of Luke on Sunday mornings. And this coming Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at the rich young ruler. And... Um, that was a guy who got excluded because, not because he didn't have the right questions, not because he didn't become the right person, because he had the wrong response. And Jesus didn't follow him. And that's going to be uh, some eye-opening, I believe, uh, information for us. So without Christ and without hope in the world, this, book is, uh, this is a book of salvation, the lost, and the rest of the book is for those who are saved. It is an exclusive group. It is exclusive. The we is exclusive. Be, be sure of that. It very much is. So the we, having hoping you are a part of that we, there were several things for us to take note here, of here in this verse. The first thing, other than the we, is the word grace. What is God's grace? His, his unmerited favor. You can't earn it. If you earned it, it's therefore not merit. It's merited. His unmerited favor. Salvation is the unmerited favor of God. You didn't do anything to get it. God didn't look down the passageway of time and think, oh, those are great people. I think I'm going to save them for that reason. No. In fact, if anything, he looked down the passage of time and saw those are evil people. I'm going to save them. That's grace. That, uh, for sure, is grace. Here, here's a great phrase I like to remind myself of. I deserved hell. Jesus took my hell on the cross. Now there's nothing left for me but heaven. That's grace. That's grace. And, and until we're convinced that we deserve hell we will never turn to Christ. Until you're convinced that someone like God would some, throw someone like you in hell for the, whatever you've done, whatever sin you committed, until you're convinced of that, you will never turn to Christ. You will never think you need God's grace. Because somehow you think you're meriting, you're, 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 you're meriting God's favor. And uh, many people are going to be in hell thinking that very thing. Uh, don't let that be you. We have received, so... so uh, the, this grace, right? Uh, we have received it. So, so we broke the law. Jesus paid the penalty. That's grace. Uh, we sing the song, Jesus paid it all. Not, not 99%. 99.9999999%. No, he paid it all. That's grace. That's grace. We have received grace. We could say the same thing about a gift, right? What does a gift say about the person who gets it? Nothing. It says everything about the giver, doesn't it? Yeah, it says about their qualities. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. It's not a wage. If you earned it or if it was uh, compensation for something that you did, well, then it's not grace. It's not a gift. But we only can receive a gift. We're owed 
a salary, right? We're owed compensation, but we're not owed grace. In fact, grace ceases to be grace if that is true. It is unmerited. God's salvation speaks of him and his excellencies and says nothing about our qualifications. Our, our, his praise, the praise goes straight to him. He, here's Ephesians again, chapter 1. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus predestined. So before he ever knew us, well, I shouldn't say that, he always knew us, before we ever existed, through, that's unmerited, right? How, how can I merit anything when I'm not even existing yet? It doesn't make any sense predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He just decided to do it and to the praise of the glory of his grace. Unmerited favor. By grace, Paul, the writer of this, was pulled over on the road to Damascus and saved from the life of sin. By grace, God pulled us over wherever we were in our process of living and pursuing whatever we thought we should pursue to rescue us from our sins. By grace, he's pulled us over. And now we belong to him. We're, we're now his. He's now the king. We're now his servants, his bondservants. So, so by grace, we have received grace. And then the second thing he says here, and apostleship, he says. Remember that the word apostle, we saw it up in uh, verse 1. Uh, apostle, apostle, or apostleship just seems, simply means one who was sent. One who is sent. That's an apostle. It's not a, we, we think of it as a, um, a religious word because it is today, but in the Greek language it was just, it was a common thing. He's a sent person. He's a messenger. I, I've sent him. He's an apostle of me, you know, in any, in any context, but in particular in the context of the scriptures, is those who have been sent by Christ. So Paul is saying, I was pulled over and saved by grace. I don't belong to myself. I belong to the master. And the master now has sent me to you or sent me to bring the same message that I receive, which is a message of grace. He sent me to proclaim the same, same message, even though, uh, mark carefully, the title of apostle is unique to a select group in the New Testament. The work of an apostle, that is, that we understand that we've been sent, is incumbent upon all of us. It, and how do I know that? Because Jesus made it very clear. He gave us a commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 and 19, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Again, he's the master. He's the king. He, he's stating his, what right does he have to tell me what to do? Because he's the king, man. You need to get over that one really quick. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We have been sent. We have been sent. He has sent us. We are his bondservants by the grace of God, and we have been sent. A great way to start your day out is to say, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of you, God. How will you send me today? In what capacity, to whom have you sent me today? Under what circumstances, to what situation have you sent me today? Such incredible, incredibly important focus and perspective for us. Again, dying to ourselves so that we can live for Christ. Dying to our agenda, dying to our will. Surrendering that completely to him, humbling ourselves completely to him. He's our Savior and our master, and our king. He's the Messiah over us. And so we're his bondservants. How 
will you send me today? When someone asks us what, what, what we do, our response should be, I'm, I'm a witness of the saving work of Jesus Christ, and I have a job that pays the bills. That's great perspective. Great perspective. That is a Christian worldview right there. We are saved by the grace of God, uh, not by works. We're saved by, actually, we are saved by works, the works of Jesus. Jesus' work on the cross, his work of sacrificing himself and being an atonement for our sins and shedding his blood to pay for those sins. We are, oh, it's a works salvation, but it's his works. It had nothing to do with our works. We weren't saved for any of our works. In fact, we were saved as, as opposed to, contrary to, saved from our works, not by our works. But we were also saved to do good works. Uh, be reminded of this. So, so it, it wasn't just that he pulled you over to save you so that you could be in heaven with him. He also pulled you over and left you here with a commission. Sent, as Paul says. So we have received grace and apostleship. Grace, we not only were pulled over to be saved, we were also not left on the side of the road. We've been now sent to you. For we are his workmanship. Here's back to Ephesians chapter 2. Created in Christ Jesus, notice, for good works. Notice the foreknowledge of God in all this. Predestined us, right? He predestined us to be the, in the image of Christ. He predestined us to be called sons of God and daughters of God. What else does he predestined us to do? Which God prepared the, work, the good works beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we not only from all eternity plan to save us, but also plan to send us. So you can honestly say that you're sending your call. You know, we, we, we tend to think the whole world wraps around our lives. And so God called me to the ministry. I'm not saying he didn't do that. I'm just saying that that call was not, it was something before you got here, just like your salvation was planned before you got here. Yeah. Yep, yep. So important we get that. So we actually... Do not send. We, we have ordination services here in the church for, for deacons and for uh, church leaders and, uh, at different times. And uh, you understand, though, that when we send people out as missionaries or as pastors or whatever, we're, we're not actually sending them. And we say those words, but actually God is the sender. He's the king. We're all just his servants. We're just agreeing with the sending of that, the, that we already see in this person's life. We lay hands on them and pray for them. But it's not us sending them. It's God. God has sent them. It prepared beforehand, right? The works that they were to do. And we're just agreeing with that. We're, we're coming along with them and saying, we're joining you in this. And as you go, you take a part of us with you because we want to be a part of that work. We believe in that work. And we do that uh, spiritually. We also do it physically by paying for those people, paying their way uh, to be missionaries. And that's such, such an incredibly important part of our ministry. And so apostleship, called or given grace, called as an apostle to bring about the obedience of faith. Here's the third thing that I want us to focus on here in verse 5. To bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles and among the Jews too. But his specific call was to the Gentiles. That's where Paul, Paul went specifically. So he's saying, I've been saved by grace, sent to the world to bring them to the point of obeying this faith that I represent. To, to bring about the obedience of faith. To, to bring them to the place where they will see their, their, the certainty of hell for a person who's sinned the way they have, of any kind, any kind of sin. And the deep need that they have for the grace of God. To bring them to the place where they will obey that faith. 
they will obey by taking that step and placing their faith in Christ. Again, we may do many other things uh, Paul to make a living. Paul was a tent maker. I mean, many, many times you would find him, if you found him day to day, you'd find him making tents, but that wasn't what he did. That's what he did to pay the bills. That's not who he was. He's telling you who he is. I received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So as he's making tents, his purpose, though, was to, uh, be, to be sent to bring about the obedience of faith uh, to everyone uh, whom God brought him into contact with. So, so we're not, strictly speaking, workers, ranchers, business owners, uh, teachers, farmers, secretaries, or even moms and dads. We are sent ones to the world to bring about the obedience of faith to the world who God is calling through us. What an incredible mission we have. What an incredible responsibility. And the question that we have, need to have for ourselves is, are we doing what we've been sent to do? So he's pulled you over by grace. You think he's left you there on the side of the road? Of course not. He sent you. But are you, how are you doing in that? Does your life represent one who has been sent? So incredibly important that we understand that. Our purpose is to get the word out. We've been sent to do that. Saved to be God's. Sent to bring others with us. It's that simple. What are we doing to do that? What, what, what tracks are we passing out? What Bible studies are we leading or participating in or supporting? How are we sharing our faith? How are we an effective part of a local ministry that is collectively making sure that that gets out and that gets to our world? What, what part are we playing? We, we tend to take the church as a place where we receive things, and, and I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. But guys, ultimately, it's a place where we uh, give things. I'm sending people. I am being sent. I'm serving God. Uh, our, our purpose, again, is to get the word out. What are we doing to do that? We have to be faithful to our sending, faithful to our king. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we think about, we're going to stop right there with that verse. I think it's enough for us to chew on uh, for today. Bond service, right? Are you? Do you think that way? That's the Christian life. That's the Christian worldview. Bond servants, sent ones, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the world. Heavenly Father, I thank you that through your son Jesus, you have pulled us over by your grace, unmerited. You didn't look down on us and find good stuff, but you looked down on and find us on nothing good. And that's why you redeemed us. That's why you saved us. You saved us from ourselves. You saved us from our sins. You didn't fix the laws that we had broken. Instead, you paid for those laws yourself. And now we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And we're to glorify God with the lives that you've given to us. And so, Lord, we seek to glorify you we pray that we would have this understanding. We've been sent. We've been sent. We've been sent to bring people to the same grace and the same apostleship that, that we have, this uh, responsibility. God, we pray. Um, God, I pray that the burden of that being sent would fall upon us. The burden of answering to you as king would fall upon us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.